And he says, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years, as many generations. Notice the confidence again that David had in God. He didn't have confidence in himself, but he's like, Lord, you're going to preserve me. Notice the, notice the assurance that he had within his own heart that God was going to sustain him. And why did he have that promise? Because God had put him there. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 17 and begins chapter 18 in the book of 2 Samuel, He reviews with us Psalms 61 and 62, which are psalms written by David during this time in his life. His psalms reflect his strong faith and confidence in God that he will be restored back on the throne of Israel. He knew that God had placed him on the throne to serve him, and there could be no earthly force that could change God's plan. As Pastor Rob reviews these psalms, we should take the time to meditate on how God's promises are true and everlasting, even to us. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Because people get there emotionally, and they're drinking the Jack Daniels, and they're looking over at that revolver, looking awfully friendly, that revolver, right? Don't do it. It's not worth it. But for Ahithophel's case, he was so filled with pride. What does it tell us in Proverbs 16, verse 18? Pride goes before destruction. Isn't that what we see right now? Pride goes before destruction. He was so proud, it was leading him to destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. It even tells us in the same chapter, in the 25th verse, there is a way which seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. It's the way of death. So then David went to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed over the Jordan. Now, Mahanaim is this place on the east side of the Jordan River. If you were to look at a map of Israel, and um, like you'd have um, the Jordan River kind of dividing Israel, and on the east side of that Jordan River, somewhere midpoint between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, right there in the middle, there's a river called the Jabbok River on the east side. Right there in that Jabbok River, right in the center, right near that river is this place called Mahanaim. And it was a wonderfully, uh, it was a great refuge because all around it you had these craggy rocks. It was very well fortified. That's why when, when Saul was killed, remember his son Ishbosheth went to Mahanaim to make that his place of, of habitation and a place where he would come out from, sort of like his military capital city in a sense. And so now that both of them are dead, Now David goes over to that city, and he takes up residence in it and begins to form his battle plan, begins to amass men to join him. 
And so um, and notice in verse 25, And Absalom made uh, Amasa captain of the army instead of Joab. And this Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Jithra, an Israelite who had gone into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, the sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. So what this means is that Amasa is... Um, uh, He's the, the, the son of Abigail, and Abigail was David's half-sister because David uh, had a, a two stepsisters or two half-sisters, Zeruiah and Abigail. Many believe that it was um, Jesse, David's father, actually had a, um, he had a wife, and they had those eight sons, including David. But prior to that, she was married to another man and had, uh, his name was um, Nahash, and he, and he had two girls as well. Abigail and uh, Zeruiah were those two ladies, we believe. And so these are the two ladies. Um, and Amasa, he was the, um, the son of Abigail. And you can cross-reference that with First Chronicles chapter 2 verse 16 and 17, 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. But going on now, so we know who Amasa is actually related now to David. So Absalom takes him on, under his wing since Joab had left with David, who is now in Mahanaim on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So verse 26, Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead, which is that whole area. Like if you were, again, when you have that Jordan River going down uh, Israel on the eastern side of that Jordan River, that whole land area over there on the eastern side is called Gilead, and that is where Mahanaim was along the Jabbok River going west to east. So it happened when David came to Mahanaim that Shobai, the son of Nahash, from uh, Rabbah of the people of Ammon, and Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite from Ojelam, that they... Um, that they brought beds and raisins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched seeds and honeys and curds, sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. For, for they said, the people are indeed hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. And you know, it's unfortunate, but we're going to have to, we're, we're not going to go into chapter 18 tonight, but we got a couple things to look at before we go. And that is, turn with me to Psalm 61. And so you had these three gentlemen. Um, and while you're going to Psalm 61, I just want to share a few things. This guy, Shobai, um, he was evidently a governor. David probably left Shobai there in Mahanaim as governor over the city after Ishbosheth's death. And so he was the son of Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, or the king of Ammon. Makir, he was a protector of Mephibosheth um, before David had taken Mephibosheth under his wing. This man was um, looking out for Jonathan, uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, until David had taken him under his wing. And this gentleman, Barzillai, he was evidently a non-Israelite from the land of Gilead. So these three men, they come with all this stuff. They're like, you guys must be starving. You must be thirsty. And by the way, we got some really nice beds that we ripped off from the Holiday Inn. And, and we, we took those and you know, and the, the real big fluffy count, the big quilt, you know, the big thick quilt on top. We're going to give that to you. And we got raisins and figs and all kinds of goodies, sheep and, and milk. And, you know, David's just like, oh, my brother, thank you so much. 
really given the guys a wonderful leg up from their long journey and, and, and difficult journey. But look with me, and we'll end here tonight at uh, Psalm 61 and 62, actually. You might want to put in the margin of your Bible in this chapter, in this chapter 17, somewhere at the top or at the end, write in Psalm 61 and 62, because we believe that it's these two psalms that David wrote during this time when he was in Mahanaim, when he was running from Absalom, his son. And he was down there and amassing his army and getting ready to go out and, and, and fight. And so Psalm 61 and 62, and I think as we read these psalms, we're just going to read them straight through, okay? And I think after what we've already seen, you're going to see David's heart. And you get, I mean, picture in your mind this, this fortress uh, near, or, and I think it might have even have been in the river. I think the river actually went around this, this Mahanaim, so it was, a, it was a fortress. I mean, it was really hard to get it. The, the, it was a very sweet place, very well fortified, a great place for David to get his act together, get rested, and amass an army to go on the attack. And so we'll look at that more next week. But as you got this vision in your head of where David was, and you see these men from the west coming over now into crossing the Jordan to meet David, these psalms actually make a lot of sense. And let's just read them because this is the time, around the time when he wrote those, during this moment in his life. Let's read Psalm 61. It says, a psalm of David. It says, hear my cry, O God. And think of how David's feeling. He's been deposed He's running for his life. Is he familiar with running? Yes. Remember the years, at least seven years, at least seven years after God had told him that he would be the king of Israel, he was on the run from Saul for over seven years. David knew every rock. He could practically go wherever he's going with a blindfold and know exactly where he's going. He knew every little hole, every little cave, every little area, the, 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 the landscape of the, of the land, the, the features of certain places. And, and when David went to Mahanaim, he was thinking. He was thinking strategically, and he knew that he would be facing off with these guys at some point. He's like, you know, I'm going to put me and my army in the best possible place so that we can come at them from a place of strength. And that's exactly what he did. But look, it says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth, and here he is, in in a sense, in the end of the earth. He's crossed over the the Jordan River. He's on the the side where the Gentiles are going to be, not too long. He's crossed over the, the Jordan. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And David, obviously in Mahanam, he's looking around. It's all that's around him is rocks. This is a ravine that the city's in, so it's, it's well fortified. And David is there, and he says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Not these rocks, God. These rocks are nothing, but the rock that I'm talking about is you. I'm talking about you, God. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy, and I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Even though David was in a great place, he also understood that he, his shelter, his, his comfort, his sustenance, everything came from God. And look how God marvelously provided for him. Gave him everything he needed. He simply went. 
to avoid the bloodshed in Jerusalem. He left. To avoid the city being destroyed with him and his army being there, he left. For the sake of the city, for the sake of his people, he left. And what a, a wonderful thing. You know, the world would say, well, you're just a weakling. No, that's, that's great grace and great strength because you're thinking of not just yourself. You're thinking about the city that you spent a lot of time and money. All the people have been putting their hands together building this thing. And the people, he's thinking about the people and all the stuff that they went through. So, Lord, I will trust in the shadow of your wings. And Selah, that just means think about that. Meditate on that. Just stop there and think about it. But he goes on. And he says, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years, as many generations. Notice the confidence, again, that David had in God. He didn't have confidence in himself, but he's like, Lord, you're going to preserve me. Notice the, notice the assurance that he had within his own heart that God was going to sustain him. And why did he have that promise? Because God had put him there. God didn't call Absalom to be on the throne. He put David on the throne. David knew somewhere in the, in the, in the deep recesses of his faith, God, I am not going to die here. I am scared. But at the same time, I trust in you, and I know that you will prolong the king's life, his years, as many generations. Notice verse 7, he shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Notice, he knew that even when he does die, he's going to abide before God forever. David knew of the resurrection. He knew he would be resurrected even if he did die. So all, it's a win-win situation. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And so I will sing praise. Notice that. Wow. I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Now let's go right into Psalm 62 and let's just read it. And I'll try not to open my mouth so that we can get through it because it's really sweet when you read about this, especially with the imagery that I hope I painted for you where he's at and how these psalms are very indicative of, that, of everything that he's going through. It's really amazing. So notice... It's um, a psalm of David. It says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Not this place. Not Mahanaim that's well fortified. He, God, is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack? How long will you attack a man? You will all be slain, all of you. And boy, wasn't that a prophecy of what's coming? He knew. Because God had planted it in his heart. Here he is, even through this psalm, he's prophesying of what's going to happen yet. You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast them down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Think about that, Selah. My soul waits patiently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. I mean, how many times is David painting this picture of God being his rock and his salvation and his refuge, and yet he is in this place where it is a refuge, but he recognizes this is nothing but I know that God is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my salvation. And notice what he says in verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. This is a good word for us tonight. God is a refuge for us. Yes, even in the midst of what we're going through as a country right now, God is still our refuge. He hasn't left the throne. He's very much on the throne. Thank you very much. 
And he knows exactly what's happening. It bothers us, and it really breaks our hearts. But guess what? God knows what he's doing. Will you trust him in the midst of our difficult time? When so much of his church in bygone centuries have gone through much, 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 much worse things. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, and twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. And what an amazing couple of psalms. As you, you, know, as you read this chapter over again, read those two psalms again. Maybe read, read it again. Read it a couple times and, and think about where David was in his head, in his heart. Think about what he's been through. And yet, he still had this faith in God. And I like that last line. For you render to each one according to his work. David in his heart, I believe, is like, you know what? There's, there's, a, there's a proverb that says, um, I don't have the verse and the, the reference memorized, but it, it says something like, uh, the Lord knows the wicked that his day is coming. <laughs> his day is coming. If he will not repent, his day is coming. And Absalom's day is coming. And that's why David would say, you render to each one according to his work. Lord, I know my works have been bad, but you've forgiven me. But this man is filled with pride. And you know what kills me inside? Is to think of how much David loved this man. He wept more over Absalom than he did Amnon, his firstborn son. You go back and read when Absalom killed Amnon, his firstborn son. Go back and read that. And what does it say? David heard of it and he was angry. But when Absalom is killed, after all this treachery, after all of his pride and arrogance, he says, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, if I had only died instead of you. Oh, my son, Absalom. What an amazing fellow. What an amazing fellow he is. David was not a bloodthirsty man like, like uh, Shimei proposed him to be. David was a a unique man. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to meeting him. Do you know that you're going to meet him? I'm more interested in meeting Jesus. But after a thousand years of my jaw hitting the ground before Jesus, I might begin to look around and go, David, hey man, you got to tell me what that was like, man, when you took that sling and you swung it like that. What was it like? Just tell me, just in, in, in a few paragraphs. Just spell it out for me. What was it like? He'd be like, oh man, it was great. I was so scared, but I had this, I was like electrified. God had given me such grace and favor. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just, I did what I always did. I just put the rock in the thing and I'm just like swinging. I'm going, help Lord. And then I took off and I ran after him like I was going to take his head off. And I did. I was scared to death, but I did it by God. David, what was it like? What did you feel like, David, when you left Jerusalem, when you knew your son that came from your own, your own loins, would chase you and want to kill you? What, did it, what was it like, David? 
And it was the hardest thing of my life. Everyone else wanted me to kill him. Even my own, my, my own cousin, Joab, wanted me to just kill him. I couldn't do it. And you're going to find later on as we get into chapter 18 that David, when he finally goes out, he's going to tell his three generals, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, the Gittite. And they're going to be leading a bunch of guys in three different, three different phases. And he's going to tell all of them publicly, don't touch my son Absalom. And who do you think it was that killed Absalom? I'm spoiling it. You have to wait. You have to read. (laughs) So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Even though all the world is against you and even though you feel like you're struggling, and read those Psalms again as David was in a very precarious position. And yet he had faith in God, knowing that God would protect him, God would take care of him, and God would sustain him. You want to know why? Because God told David, he told, he told Samuel to anoint David, you are going to be my king, and your son is going to sit on my throne. Solomon is going to sit on my throne. And David had that, that to work with. He had that faith to say, you know what, God, I'm not done. I can trust you. I can trust you. And you know what? You can trust God today too, regardless of what you're going through. We're all going through a mess. Let's be honest. We're all going through a, 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 a mess. Some of you are going through more of a mess than others and your heart is reeling and you're, you're terrified of things that are happening and you're wondering what, 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 what. And hey, let, let me encourage you tonight because I'm right there with you, but I also know that God's in control. David knew that. In those psalms, read those psalms, realize that God is still your strength. He's still your fortress. He is still your salvation, and he has never left. And he is fine. He knows exactly what's happening. Let's just trust him, as David tells us. Trust in him. Trust in him and abide in him. Abide in him. Can we do that this week? Just abide in him. Just love him and, and turn off all the noise and just get your eyes single again on the one who loves you, the one who's coming for you. For you and me, he's coming, folks. He's coming. Are you ready? I'm ready. And if I'm not ready, then I'll fool myself and tell you that I am ready because I want to be ready when he comes. I want to be ready. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Father, thank you for this uh, passage, Lord, as difficult as it is, and Lord, just strengthen us tonight, Lord, as we, as we go from this place. Lord, bless our day tomorrow. Lord, may you fill our hearts with your peace, with your goodness, with your joy. Lord, fill our lives with purpose and give us vision for the future and vision for our lives, for our families, for our marriages. Lord, give us vision for the things that we're going to do that we can't even apprehend right now. We, we don't even know what's coming, God, the, the, the smaller things, the bigger things you've shown us, and thank you for that. But, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next day brings, but we know wherever it brings us, God, you are going to be there with us. You are going to be with your church, and you will never leave us nor forsake us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us, even to the end of the age which we are currently. Lord, have your way with us, and may we worship you and give our hearts afresh to you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you.
I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.